welcome to the Jonazo Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnazo has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches, this podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business, to how to program for maximum results, to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. Hey, hey, what's happening, y'all? Welcome back to the Gymnazo Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Kubliska, the Director of Programming here at Gymnazo. And I have a very awesome guest with us today, uh, somebody I met a year or two ago now, but I feel like we've known each other for multiple lifetimes, uh, especially after a very recent experience at a Spartan race in Texas that we will dive into um, very soon. But Vincent, man, welcome to the Gymnazo Podcast, the owner of Kinnis and the movement community that uh, Kinnis has brought in. Excellent. CJ, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for having me here today. I'm excited. I threw, I look forward to share the experience that, you know, we, we did together in Austin, Texas, and, and the thing that we've been doing the last couple of years with the community. Yeah, it's great to have you on, man. Uh, I know we've had a few conversations on uh, your podcast and also just in uh, different flow jams and community events across uh, the U.S. now, not just here in California, but uh, it's been a, been a pleasure to have you here, being able to go out to Texas, hang out with you, and then hopefully get out to uh, your hometown out in Virginia. Um, Absolutely. Where you are currently. Where are you at in Virginia right now, bud? I am in Richmond. I'm uh, about two hours south of Washington, D.C. That's, um, that's, that's hometown for me. How long have you been there? Been here over about over 20 years. I, I moved here in 1999, went to high school here, and then went to college uh, down in Georgia and came back. So this is my hometown. This is uh, Kenneth's headquarter here. What brought you to uh, create Kenneth? I know you're about five years old now, right? Yes, Kenneth. Yeah, the uh, really Kenneth. I started Kenneth about five years ago, uh, stemmed from a personal foot injury. Um, and a lot of that has to do. And so when that happened, um, and that actually go back many years, about 20 years um, before that, because um, I, growing up, I spent about five years, lived, oh, six years live in refugee camp. That's where I started a lot. I uh, spent a lot of time outdoor, play soccer barefoot. My feet were strong. And then about five years ago, after I immigrated to the state and started wearing shoes that were tall, that were good for me. And then I got into running a little bit and things just kind of falling apart for me. At that point, you know, I, I didn't know anything about shoe. I'm just a consumer. So I went out, bought a bunch of like running shoe that's supposed to be good for me. Um, and at the end of the day, after I keep buying the shoe, it just thing doesn't get worse for me. It got to the point I couldn't run anymore. And I, I got so frustrated at the fact that, you know, everything I try not working. And, um, and that's where I started diving deeper, really understanding what caused the injury and, and understanding, you know, the foot bone anatomy and the biomechanic, what caused it. And a lot of the research I came across, um, it really boiled down to the problem. It really the shoe, the shoe that really jacked me up. And my feet were fine before. And I just, um, I'm trying to do about 10 miles of indoor and I couldn't run. Um, so at the end of the day, I made a decision after I look at all the resource and understanding the root cause. I, I told myself that, you know, hey, I want to regain that strength back again. 
uh, not because I want to run barefoot, but I want to be to move in the most natural way that I can be, you know, stay um, healthy and active for many years to come. And the solution to the point is just go see the podiatrist and then get some sore orthotic, put in my, you know, my shoe and wear that for the rest of my life. And I didn't want to do that. So um, out of frustration and necessity to really fix my own problem, I decided to create a product. <laughs> At the beginning, it wasn't an, a business idea. At the beginning, just I want to fix my own problem in the most natural way. And that is come boiling down to me actually make my own product because everybody trying to put me in these comfortable shoes that cushion it, that actually is getting, you know, is not really good for me. So that really the inception of Kenneth when I start to really develop this idea that back to the basic and really take the shoe away and really let the foot move naturally. The beginning really extremely difficult transition because after almost 20 years protecting them, they just fragile. I mean, take them the shoe out, they look pale. They look like <laughs> they haven't been moved for years and it was difficult, but I, I know with all the research I'm looking at and, uh, in addition to my personal experience in the past, I feel like, hey, at the end of the day, it's just it's just a matter of time for me to reacclimate, to retrain the body again. And um, and after a couple of weeks, I'm just wearing socks and then starting to buy all these little foam pads and glue to the socks and walk around the gym. Uh, people think I'm crazy because everybody you either wear shoe. Nobody like this guy here with like half of socks and some some weird contraption going on. And but it worked for me. It worked. It made me understand that, hey, that's exactly what my body needs is need to be free. The feet need to be moving the most natural way, optimize the range of motion uh, versus the opposite where constantly confine, protect, and just encase them in these coffin that we call shoe. Uh, so that's really how I struck kid. That's it's fascinating, man. Um, especially what you said about just putting, putting some sock or pads on some socks and then going to the gym. I feel like nowadays, like where we are currently, at least in, in um, the environment that I'm in daily, uh, it's, it's much more accepted. I got those people that are working out barefoot uh, in a session. There's people that are working out with barefoot or minimalist shoes. Um, there's some that are working out with, with running shoes. Everybody has kind of to each their own. They find their, their comfort and their training. But the fact that you decided to find a sock and a pad and get like, to put these together and start working out, uh, what was that process like? I imagine it wasn't very smooth. Um, did stuff fall apart when you started putting them on? Would, would yes. You have a different couple of styles. <laughs> What, what are we talking about here? What was that process like? Yo, so at the beginning, really what I did was I started to take on my shoe and what inside of the shoe, I know that this little foam, they call the inside, I pulled them out. And basically I used this as a, just a base. I cut two pieces, one for the front of my foot, which is the midfoot and the other one for the, uh, the ball of my foot. So I went to a, a local art and craft store. I buy these Velcro and basically I can Velcro this thing on and walk around. The beginning is, for, you know, you don't know what you don't know. All you know that, hey, you you say, okay, the body needs to transition slowly. So I did, after I used that foam, and then I went and bought a different thickness. Some of them maybe a quarter of an inch thick, some of them maybe uh, an eighth and then they thick, some of them like three sixteenths. So what I would say that at the beginning, you might start out with a quarter of an inch thick foam because now you transition. And then eventually a couple of weeks later, you go down to a three sixteen, and eventually an eighth, and then and eventually you don't need it anymore. So that was the thought process at the beginning. And what I did was I would go to this and I'll cut them out in a little pad. And what basically I put Velcro at the bottom and and at that point, I went to the gym and gave out to all the people that I know that, you know, I see them around and tell them that what I'm trying to do and give to them. People that think I'm crazy, but but it, it was difficult. It was difficult to convey an idea because to me, you know, people have that preconceived notion that you need to wear shoes. You need all the cushion you can. You need uh, ankle support. You need art support. You need all these things. Here I am telling people, wait a minute, you don't need any of that. 
people are like, look at me, dude, you're crazy. What happened if the weight dropped in your, your feet? Well, my analogy is that, well, if you happen, why, why, why don't we try not to drop them? Because if you drop them, unless you wear steel toes shoe, the normal shoe is not going to help you much. And, <laughs> right. and I've been doing it for many years and never I drop anything and never I kick. I, I, even I train outdoor, I never kick anything because you're more conscious about the environment. We talk about the mind and body connection, um, the proprioception. Should you very aware of your surrounding, where you put your foot? Um, so at the beginning, extremely difficult, but um, just like everything in life, not supposed to be easy. No, definitely not. Um, it's it making me think about kind of my journey with uh, barefoot wear. And um, I've shared the story before, but when I was in high school, uh, I was a wrestler and um, I decided I want to get myself a little bit more uncomfortable. And my other team captain and I um, decided to go run barefoot, go eight miles for our summer training session in the heat of Sacramento um, when it was about 110 degrees out. And uh, it's a lot of asphalt. There's grass around, but it's a lot of asphalt and concrete. And uh, we made it about four miles in and then it started to feel like, oh, this, uh, we need to find some cooler ground. Like probably at 10 a.m. and it's already hitting damn near 90 to 100. And we got another hour at least of, uh, of running. Um, and when we finished the run, I mean, we had blisters on the bottom of our feet. The next day was actually the, the worst because everything started to heal a little bit and fester over. And um, we ended up taping our feet with a white, athletic tape for gosh, three or four months, um, slowly doing less and less, but still wrestling with, uh, with beat up, beat up feet. And, uh, it was definitely not the, the right route to go. It was just straight from, uh, normally running in running shoes to then running with pure bare feet, uh, on, on hot ground. And since then, that was about, you know, 12 years ago. Now at this point it worked back into lower and lower drops so that I'm closer and closer to the ground and then doing more and more work or more impact and more training and more time in that tension with less support. And it's amazing what our feet are capable of when we train them to do what they are made to do, which to support our whole structure, right? They're the base of our archway and they are the arches. So if our, our feet can absorb the landing, uh, we, there's muscles in those feet, a lot of them, and all these bones are communicating and proprioceptors are communicating from the nerves to the bottom to the rest of the body saying how to move through space. It's amazing that if we take the stepping stone route um, to developing our, our true innate foot strength, how much that can support the rest of our body. Uh, but certainly with taking the time of like doing, not just going straight into barefoot, but going into less and less support um, and gradually adding more and more impact. What was what was your experience like physically initially with this? Because I know we've been doing some barefoot stuff recently that we'll get into, um, but your your first experiences with your feet, if you can go back to when you went from, uh, you went no shoes and then you wore shoes for 20 years and then took shoes off and started doing socks. Um, you talked about the process a little bit of going lower, lower. Was it a painful experience? Was it like, why am I doing this? Were you ever questioning those things or did it just make sense and your body started to um, reconfigure itself on how to, to move more efficiently and more effectively? It wasn't a painful experience at all. It was uncomfortable at the beginning, but the body can adapt. I mean, the first week I, it, it wasn't running, it basically just walking. By walking the sock itself, you, you have some protection, but by walking, you're starting to feel the ground. You're starting to act. You're starting to, the, everything in the feet start to moving right away. You know, you're more conscious about your landing. You know, not pounding your, you're not pounding your heel because in the past, I have a thick ass cushion. All I'm doing with pounding, heel strike all day long. But now if I run in my pal, there's nothing there. And in my body immediately will tell me there's nothing there. So the only thing the body automatically adjusts the landing right away. Now, so the body is very amazing because it knows how thing when it's contact or where force been applied and it reacts right away. That only happened when you get out of the shoe. So for me, 
at the beginning, it was uncomfortable. It wasn't painful because I wasn't running. Basically, I, I told myself we have to walk in these. So in just in about two weeks of walking just by, by the socks and then introduce a little foam, the foam help. The foam have transition, no, trend to transition. And eventually, um, if I noticed I can gain the strength, the ankle stability, the shin splint starting to go away. Now my plant of scientists starting to go away because now I'm not I'm not touting my heel day in, day out anymore, because now I'm more conscious about my landing and starting to use the big toe at push up. So um it was a the thing is it's extremely difficult. No, I don't because I'm just an average guy. I'm not, I don't play any sport. So if I can do it, anyone should be to do it. It's just a matter of fact that we got to go and be mindful, be intentional about what you're doing, because the last thing you want to do is, you know, make a rough transition and you, you go into running, you definitely will hurt yourself, but you can give your body some time and listen to your body because your body tell you a lot. And yeah. Like, and you slow down and listen. Yeah. Like, I remember when the, uh, the Vibram five fingers came out, you know, the, the finger or the toe shoes, and I'm never really a fan of them, um, though I know a lot of people are. Um, but I remember there was something coming out of like, all right, now all these runners are going and doing, they're trying the barefoot shoes. And there ended up being a ton of injuries coming up from that because they went straight from all this padding and, and uh, their shoe was doing the work for their foot and ankle that their foot and ankle should have been doing initially, or at least some version of it. Um, and then they went into virtually no support at all and said, hey, foot and ankle, I need you to perform like you haven't performed ever before because um, I've been told this is good. And I think barefoot thing, barefoot as a culture shift got a bad rap initially because people were jumping the gun. They're like, oh, I should just go barefoot. My feet are designed to do this. I should just go without considering the potentially decades before leading up to this point of teaching your body how to run with support versus running without support. And you're certainly going to run faster and further with support because your foot's not taking the wear and tear. But as soon as you take that away and then you go into getting that wear and tear, it's it's like double, triple, quadruple the amount of forces that that foot's experienced. And then you might be good on a run, but the next few days you're going to feel like shit. Um, and so it's really important to recognize, I think, you know, where, if we're, if we're entering into this barefoot um, culture, and maybe not even just barefoot, but just with minimalist shoes with less support, recognizing where we've been the past one, two, five, 10 years, 20 years, and realize either how we've neglected our feet or supported our feet. And if we've been neglecting them, we don't want to look at them. We don't want to uh, wash them. We don't want to um, have somebody else work on them. We don't want to foam roll. We only want to just, we don't want to look at those feet. They're nasty. It's like, well, we got to, we got to give them some love. We got to get them to just walk around the house barefoot for maybe uh, for most of your steps at your, house, at your house. And then when you go to work or whatever, wear your shoes and make it a stepping stone process that's right for you. So that gradually, depending on what kind of barefoot training you're trying to go into, which is just could be just be barefoot on the beach, walking around, could be barefoot. Um, at the beach and also wanted to go for a run on the beach. It could be that you want to go do a Spartan race or maybe you want to do a 26 mile marathon um, barefoot just to say you did it and to feel what that's like and to, um, to, to bring awareness to a cause, right? Yes. Uh, just super important. I've seen so much success with people that have transferred from um, big supportive blocky shoes and they're complaining about how they can't move laterally or rotationally because the shoe tilts them over. They can move forward and back. And that's kind of what the shoe, most running shoes are designed to do is take you forward not even take you backwards, but take you forward in a very um, efficient way. So we start to lose the ability not only to strengthen our feet moving forward, but we lose our ability to move laterally and rotationally. And don't even, we just kind of neglect those parts of our, our sphere. That, that is correct. I mean, I think you just look at the shoe design, the shoe anatomy itself. The, I call it the traditional 
athletic shoe. It's confined, you have a very narrow toe box, you have this big cushion in the bottom. So you have a big, huge front drop, which you're already causing, before you even do anything by just putting a shoe, you already change your body, your body by mechanic. You actually already lean forward in the front. So I mean, I'm already put more pressure on my knee, my ankle, on my joint, and my lower back just by putting by elevating my body up before I even move anything. So I think it's important for folks to understand that, um, that, that there's a lot of misconception. There's two, two, a couple of things thrown around. There's a barefoot running, barefoot training, middle and mold. So I think for the most folks, unless you're extreme, you do running, but for the most folks, it's safe to say that focus on transition to minimal footwear. It's a safe space. That's something you can do safely and successfully. Majority of the population can do that, unless you have some very specific condition that you need certain things. But majority of the population should be able to transition from a traditional athletic shoe, which is very cushioned, narrow toe box to what I call a minimal uh, shoe. There's a couple of brands on the market that you can choose from, depending on what you like. But uh, and then when you get into that and you want to expand more barefoot, that's something that later on. But don't go into that thing barefooted for barefoot running. That there's a lot misconception. I want to clar- clarify that a little bit. Yeah, the, the biomechanics you mentioned um, for us biomechanics nerds, it definitely puts your foot into more plantar flexion. Like when you've yes. got a high heel, you're you're basically wearing heels. So your your ankles go into here and it's putting you essentially into a shortened uh, Achilles, um, soleus, and a bunch of your, your plantar fascia tissues is going to shorten. It's going to kind of hold um, and it's going to be locked in that position. One, because you're already in a heel lift, but two, because now that shoe, which is designed to do the pronation and supination for you, now your foot yeah. is losing the ability to pronate when you land and to supinate when you push off. So your foot is actually getting weaker while wearing supportive shoes. And it's, it happens in the long term. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in one race. But if you have a habit of having this extra support and especially the mentality that we've, we've developed, especially in this Western culture, that we need support, we need help where we don't have enough within us. We know we need something external to help. I think in a lot of cases that's true, but in most it's not, it's a, uh, it's a narrative that we've been fed, whether on purpose or not, I don't think is the, is the point. It's the, the rationale and the understanding that our foot is very powerful and our foot is what's rooting us to the ground. And if we don't have a good support structure on the bottom that's innate within us, what happens to the top of the chain, to your knees, to your hips? Now that your ankles are stuck in plantar flexion and you can't supinate and pronate because your foot, your shoe is not folding. It's just really rigid. I mean, how that that influences the rest of the biomechanics of the chain, you can develop more knee injuries, low back injuries, even shoulder and trap um, tightness because you're bracing, um, especially when that heel wears down. You know, it's only designed to take you, what, 100 miles? Or it's like 100 hours of training, I think is what it is. Um, and most people go way beyond that when they've got supported shoe, but they lose the support. And you can see how the shoe like morphs. It puts them either into yes. a ton of eversion or a ton of inversion. And they go to the doctor or just like Dr. Scholl's thing. And like, oh, you're over pronated or over supinated. And so you need this type of shoe. It's like, I think we're missing the mark of understanding that we don't need to be in that. We need to train our body to handle more, to handle pronation, to handle supination so that the rest of the support structure can, can do its job too. Yeah, you, you correct, CJ. I think I want to touch base on one point real quick. If you look at the human evolution and our body took about two million years to evolve when we become bipedal. The reason why we are we are today because we have ability to move. We use our feet as survival mode. If we go out, our ancestors, how do we do? We chase animal. Not because we run faster, but we can learn longer. We learn longer so we can, that's how we capture that. But the ability, and then throughout the human evolution, we move across terrain. 
throughout the Ice Age on a lot more harsh conditions than where we are nowadays. And human will survive, which means our body are engineered to the point that it can withstand, it can adapt to the terrain. The fact that um, the notion, the preconceived notion that we need support is, is a false narrative. And I think that's something that um, I think the, body, the beauty of the human body is we can readapt again. You can spend 30 years in shoe, but you, if you can, when you make the transition, the body can readapt and regain that strength again. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's, it's tough to recognize in the moment because adaptation happens over time, but it's amazing how quick it can happen and how powerful the experience <laughs> is when you allow yes. yourself two, three months of just experiencing some more minimalist, um, intentional movement, not even real heavy training or powerful training, just spend more time letting your feet breathe, go put them in the earth and actually get some earthing as well. Go hang out in the sun, sunshine, and go walk on the beach. And, um, I, you know, I've had conversations with people saying like, oh, my calves get so tired. It's like, that's probably because they're very weak. We need to train those suckers. We also need to recover and restore. So when you get tired, go throw your other shoes on. You should support when you need it and then continue to phase yourself out of them more often. Um, and I, I think it's, you know, people are uh, concerned with how they look when they do it um, and not really know if they're doing it right. It's like, dog, go do it in your backyard then. Just spend some time uh, uh, by yourself. Use it as a meditation. Uh, go walk around. Maybe bring in some 3D movement with it too. And, and going back to TJ, you asked me what kind of barefoot training is. I don't do any barefoot training exercise. To, to be honest, I don't. <laughs> the only thing I do is walk. The best exercise, the best exercise transition training, for, for, I recommend anyone. And it doesn't matter what body type, what type of fitness level you are. The best thing you can do for your body to transition to minimal is footwear, a walk. And, and you're right, you say, if you just walk in your front yard, your backyard, in your house, around your neighbor, you know it's safe. You know your environment better than anybody. Or go to the park. All you can do is just walk in them. And when you walk in them for about a couple of weeks, I guarantee you, you notice the different right away. There's nothing that's it's long term, need, too. Yeah, you don't need any special exercise. That's for later on if you want to get more. But for the beginning, just walk in them. Cool. So yeah, I mean, rule of thumb, just start spending some more time barefoot. But what I really want to dive into, Vincent, is um, something that I actually haven't got a chance to break down with you a lot, which is, uh, what, two months ago, you did a full marathon barefoot in Austin, Texas? That is correct. Uh, I still have flashback one a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, uh, what came over you? I know it was, it was for a cause, um, but what, when did you decide, hey, I'm going to go do a barefoot marathon. I mean, there's, there's a, definitely a gap between just doing minimalist stuff and then going and doing a marathon um, to finish it, just to complete it. Uh, what brought you to that um, decision? Because a lot of people are like, you, you did what? Why would you do a marathon barefoot? Other people are like, that's freaking awesome, man. So yeah. give me a little bit more uh, and our listeners more insight into your decision-making process to do this and, and why you did it. Yeah. Um, so that's really, that will start around um, uh, New Year. Uh, dinner. I was sitting at home with my family and I just realized that this is the first uh, new year that a lot of Afghan refugees spending away from their hometown because what happened in, you know, last year. And that reminded me a lot of uh, back in 1998 when I first immigrated here at the age of 15, didn't speak any English, didn't know anything. Um, it's reminded me a lot of that. So, um, and, and I want to do something, you know, I am, I got where I am today because a lot of um, beautiful human being that helped me along the way. So for me, something, I can do something to give back. Um, as a refugee, I relate to that. So I want to do something to give back. So, uh, and then I realized maybe we can run a marathon. And if go back five years ago, I 
don't like running, to be honest with you. I hate running. And now here I am, and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to do this thing. And, you know, we want to create some um, momentum out of that. We needed something that really have impact for, you know. So, we, so I decided that I will sign up for a marathon. And this literally seven weeks away. So I, I made a decision and I text my buddy who was running, going to say, Dax, uh, I'm decided to run this. Can, do you think I have enough time? Can you be help my, can you help me at my running coach? Because I never run. I mean, the, the longest I run, it maybe three, four mile. And uh, you're looking at <laughs> 26 mile and I will do it barefoot. And he said, what? You're <laughs> 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 exactly fucking crazy. And I said, yes. Yeah. Um, I want to do it for a good cause. So um, we talk about it. He basically came up with a running schedule for me and I went to training. But what happened right after make the decision, like one week into training, I got COVID and I was out for 10 days. And I said, oh my God, now I have literally three or four weeks of training to, to bring it up to speed. And um, during that COVID, I, I was more determined than ever. And said, so as soon as I make, I'll, I'll get out of this and I'll, I'll run the race. So um, I did it. I designed. And so what happened is, well, it were because I know that deep down inside, I'm capable of doing it, but it's still a very daunting task to run barefoot. So the strategy was, since I don't have so much time running, training, so I, I, and I want to finish the race and I want to finish the race with, and be able to walk. So I decided the first 13 will run in the Nomad. Uh, which is very close to barefoot. And after that, I'll run the last 13 barefoot. And people told me, why don't you do the opposite? I say, no, I wanted to make sure that I, I, I go through the last 13 miles barefoot. So um, that's why I did it. We train, I show up and, the, and then going back to the community, I have such a wonderful community. The last couple of years we built, um, I would not be to do that by myself. I mean, the mental strength alone will not get me through, but I have the team. So I ran the first 13 uh, in the Nomad. And then, and after that, um, I, I took it up and um, it took me almost seven hours to finish that race. Um, it was difficult, uh, but I'm very happy. The last uh, our last few miles, uh, Danielle and, and Courtney show up. They ran with me the last few miles, but it's worth um, an incredible experience for me. I'm happy I did it and for a good cause. So um, uh, to prove the point that the human body is pretty tough, it's self-ready. And yeah. it's connected. And I, I proved that point. Well, it's cool too. I mean, you mentioned something earlier uh, about you know survival and how we go chase down our food. We're going to do a barefoot and we got to, it's not about the fastest. It's about just catching up to it and then knowing that it's going to be tired, tired out, but you can keep going for longer. Um, and not only that, but we work together as a team, as a unit. If you're just the only thing out there, only person out there, the only human out there trying to catch food, probably not going to happen. Something's going to eat you or kill you first. Yeah. But you got a community, you just end up kind of coming together, collaborating on how to strategize to finish this, but also feed off of each other's energy. Um, it's kind of a full circle in that sense of finishing with the team too and, and having that drive. And they jumped in barefoot with you. Uh, what yeah. an experience. What was, yeah, what was going through your mind, especially those last 13 miles? In fact, what was the first half like compared to the second half? The first half was manageable. The first half is what the body trained for. And I think the second half, um, I finished the first half. So I, I coming up this hill to finish up the first half at the, the, you know, the road split out for the people who do half and the people who do full. So we, you know, we finished up with this hill. So I was a little bit... Um, uh, thing I got the thing under control. So I ran up that hill. So as soon as I reached the top, I got cramped right away. 
So I, and I'm right. running the last 13 barefoot with cramps. So I have to run every, um, every quarter amount, I have to stop and walk and because it, it's locked up and then I have to massage it and walk again. Um, yeah, the last, the first 13 was what I expect. The last five miles was, I know that we got to reach deep down uh, some dark place and to pull out everything. There's, there's a lot of, um, at that point, even human being, you don't, we typically, you go hunt, you don't run for a 26.2 mile. <laughs> right. You, you try to do a couple miles and then you rest and you, you strategize, like you say, you have a group of people here, you, you got to keep going. Um, but yeah, the last five miles were extremely difficult, but that's where the mental come into a place. And that, the point is the mind tell you quit. The body will go on. It's just the mind will tell you to quit. So um, I have to go first, the support from, from the team. Second, I have to, to reach deep down and ask why I'm doing it, who I'm doing it for. And when I think about the, the pain, the physical pain I'm going through, and I think about the pain that people, are, the, the refugee that have to go through, you know, could be a lost family in Pember, lost a home, all that stuff. That nowhere compared to that pain. I know that because this pain that will last for the next few hours, then I, I'm in a, a good spot. I'm in, in a good place. But these people have their whole life turned upside down. So that's kind of the way that I look at it and motivate me to keep on going. It's powerful, man. Um, it is definitely a demonstration of the power of the mind. And it's not always about just competing to finish or competing to uh, be the fastest. It's competing with yourself to see, can, are you capable of, and you know, you are, but you got to prove it to yourself too. Cause theoretically you could be like, Oh, I could do that. And then never have done it knowing that I don't know if I could actually do that thing. So now that you've done it, uh, would you ever do it again? Yes. For the, for the good cause, I would do it again. Um, I think at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be as hard as the first one. It's not going to be easier because long, I could not walk. I, the, the one thing that, so as I crossed the finish line, that at that point, the adrenaline rush coming in, you're like, oh yes. And then after that, five minutes after that, I could not walk. So basically I sat on the little ledge of a concrete ledge and I know there's, um, there's a little scooter right there that I need to just walk five feet and so I can go get on the scooter and, and go find a guy because the folks have to park so far away to get the car. I could not walk. I literally just sat there and just stood at the, at the scooter and I talked and I talked to myself, all you need to do is crawl over there five feet. That's all you need to do. And I could not move. I swear to God, I could not move. Uh, Made but, to that um, point. Yeah, it, it will. It will take the, a lot of your body. But I think for me, the good thing that um, it only took my, took my body about two and a half, three days and I would pretty much recover. By four days, I'm back to running. Again, so especially with the experience leading up to it too of uh having seven weeks what you said or seven to eight weeks and then having 10 days of covid uh you're insane man you're absolutely insane and i i respect and honor every bit about you <laughs> thank you brother um that being said i mean just recently about two weeks ago we had the experience of doing uh, a 10k uh, spartan race in austin which six and a half seven miles nothing uh nothing this guy can't handle you know 26 miles no big deal. And I've been training barefoot stuff. I was like, Hey, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to go out to Texas surprise Kansas crew. We're going to do the Spartan race in the nomad. It's going to be awesome, but I really want to do it barefoot. And something I told myself this year was that I, I was going to do a trifecta um, Spartan race, but I also wanted to try to do a trifecta barefoot just to finish it. So a trifecta for time and a trifecta um, for barefoot. So we're on the, we're on the road right now. I've done two Spartan races now barefoot one, actually now two supers uh, barefoot nice. and, so that it was, uh, it was, I was like, I, I'm ready after the first one. I was like, I can do this again. I think it's possible. Um, 
I could prepare for heat in Texas. It's going to be 100 degrees. It's going to be warm, but we're racing in the morning, you know, and it's going to be, there's going to be cactus out there and rocks out there and terrain that I'm not familiar with, but I can handle this. I'm not going to, I'm going to watch out for cactus. Like you said, when you're barefoot, you're very aware of where everything is. So you're pretty good at avoiding dropping stuff on or stepping on stuff you don't want to step on, right? You're very present. Um, yeah. But what, what I wasn't prepared for was the terrain that we experienced out there. <laughs> um, and I'm really stoked that you experienced it with me so that we, we could heal together. Um, yeah. But I, I want to kind of break down that experience because uh, the past two weeks we've been talking about it. And, like people are just asking, like, why the hell would you do such the, such a thing? And um, I've been trying to find the words to put into um, my why. You know, I just I like doing crazy stuff and, and stuff that's uncomfortable. I'm not um, stupid about it. I train for it, but I certainly put myself on the edge and the sense of trying to experience what that edge is like. And my my motto this year, my mantra has been excavate the edges or like excavate where is that end where is the spot where i have this barrier that i can continue to push beyond later but i need to find out where that wall is and i experienced the first time this year when i did the uh the beast spartan i did that with shoes on in uh, some minimalist shoes and then the next trace the next day was a was a super with the team and i was like i know the terrain it's not gonna be too bad but uh, after that 13 miles I, I haven't been running at all this year. I've been training just with my, my gymnasio um, performance training and then hoping that that carries over to my running. There's a lot of running positions and gate like stuff without actually doing a ton of running. And when I finished that beast, uh, I was, I was beat up, man. Like I was like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm actually going to be able to walk tomorrow. Cause I, I ran that thing faster than I thought I was going to run it. And it was very, it was like 3,500 feet elevation. So it was, it was quite a climb. And the next day I woke up and I was like, I'm having trouble rolling in a bed. If it was any other day, I would have just said, all right, I'm taking today off. We're not doing anything. We're going to be uh, in the uh, Epsom salt float tanks. I'm doing a little sauna session. I'm going to do probably a little bit of soft tissue work and some hydrating. But uh, no, I committed to a race and I told myself I was doing that second one barefoot. So I woke up, vaulted my legs, drive into the race. And I'm like, oh my, what did I get myself into? Like, I'm just going to be holding the back, walking through this thing. Like, hopefully I make it through, you know? And I, I don't go to that space mentally if I don't think I'm going to make it, but I hit that point. And uh, when I got to the race and I was like, I'm not going to, I can't run. There's no level of impact that I can handle right now. My feet are fine, but my legs are just toast. I felt that hike and in, in, in running up hills. And then when that uh, start line, we all took off running and I was like, I can only run. I can't walk now. And it was like using momentum and I was using a different fascial system um, versus like muscular system to just climb. I was like, just keep momentum, use the stretch shorten, uh, go ahead and just lengthen, shorten, lengthen, shorten, and keep stride. And you'll be able to fall up and down hills. And it, and it carried me through, I actually did pretty well, uh, but spent a whole week recovering after that. So going into this one in Texas, I was like, I got this in the back. I've already done this 10 K before. And this one's not even that hilly. Like we're going to be good. But uh, it proved to be one of the most physical challenging uh, mental fuckery things I've ever experienced <laughs> because I, I, I prepared for everything but what we experienced uh, or everything and then what we experienced and so uh, when I when I showed up and I saw you say hey we're going barefoot and you said I'm going barefoot what were you thinking man we were like hey I'll, I'm in for this I can do this what was uh, what was going through your mind when you decided to go barefoot with me <laughs> yes yes same, same thing with you it was just going back so so my whole intention with this race in Spartan in Texas because I ran many Spartan and in 10k um uh so yeah after my barefoot my marathon I say all right well that's it I you know I'm I'm 39 this year I set up myself for the next decade I'm ready to go I, I did something that I never thought I did which he I'm pretty happy. And then I, I saw you, when I saw you, you showed me, you ran a Spartan barefoot. Nice, nice. I never thought of that. 
but that's always been back my mind. But mine, so I stopped running. I stopped training after I stopped training. So basically, <laughs> stopped training. And so yeah, so I say, oh, six mile, not a problem. I, I'll, I'll make it through. I'm there just like mental support because I have a few folks with the kinesis crew actually running for first time. So I want to be there and I I can guide them through and just be cheer, cheerleader along. And then you show up because I remember I reach out to you and you say, yeah, I'm mean, not, not sure you make it. And I, sh- I, I saw you and say, oh my God. And when you told me that you run barefoot, I say, I can't say no. If this guy would fly all the way to California and do this, I have to do it. So, but know the fact that it's going to be a rough one. Um, because again, it's going to be, I know it's going to be heat, which you should be fine. But until today, that compared to that the marathon, this is a different kind of nightmare to deal with because the marathon is manageable. It's, you know what to expect, but this you don't know because you don't know where these cats are. There's a gazillion of them. They're everywhere. <laughs> They're everywhere, man. <laughs> They're everywhere. And, and I remember, so at that point, um, yeah, I just say, I, I'm in at least if we are going to get toasters, we two of us. <laughs> and, and I, I, would not, I would not run anybody you know, beside you. So it was an honor to experience the, the probably, yeah, the most challenged, the most difficult race of my life, the, the Spartan race. I was at, at breaking point uh, many times more than I did for this, the, the marathon. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And it's, it's cool too. I mean, barefoot's one thing too, but with, with uh, the rest of the crew that we had running in uh, Nomads, the, the sock shoes. So for those of you guys that don't know Nomads, um, when it was talking about the socks, the little pads on the bottom, it's basically a much more streamlined, sexier version of that. Uh, but running the nomads, it's like, it's got a thin layer there. So those little cactus spikes and it's not even the cactus spikes. It was those damn goat heads with the, the rhinoceros <laughs> horns from hell, man. They just poke into you, puncture you, and then stay there. And I yes. had them in my fingers cause I was trying to peel them out of my toe when we were running and then it would get caught in my finger. I'm like, fuck dude. And then yeah. I'd flick it off. And it was like, when that start line hit every step of that race was utter pain and i was yes. like i am so <laughs> underprepared mentally for what's happening right now so all i can do is smile and I, I know i realized i think in that time what my why was and i really like to to think of life as a, it's a ceremony it's a continuous unfolding of awesomeness and and shitty stuff and just experiences things that things that we're designed um to kind of go through to learn about ourselves learn about what we're doing here with each other um and how to be supportive and kind of help walk each other home and it was kind of like, all right, we we are uh, we are now in a very painful ritual of barefoot training. This is, it brought me back to like flashbacks of the first time just running in heat. But I was like, man, the heat's not even bad. It's these damn pokies that I was like, yeah, oh, just little burrs. But when I looked at them, I was like, no, dude, that thing's got that thing's got a heartbeat and a vengeance coming out from my feet. I was like, I hope Vincent's all right, man, because I didn't I prefer, prefer this, and I know he didn't either. No, no, neither do I do. Um, I, and I think. You know, at that point, it's about tapping into the different part of, of the brain, just like you you do an ice bath. You t- you get to the point you tap into the very dark part of the brain, and and it's it's a mental it's it's a mental game at that point because there's physical pain. Because I remember that section that literally every step it just cover in gazillion of these, and that's it. You cannot avoid them. You can't see them. And I remember at the send back section, the send back. I would really I told myself at one point like. Why didn't I wear a shirt? If I had the shirt on that, I'll rip my shirt up and cover my feet because I was at that breaking point. Um, and then the sand back, I have to drop them and the heat. So you're dealing with the terrain and that sand when the bake is 120 degree heat. 
And then I have to put, I saw you with two cent back and say, oh my God. That was the stupidest call ever. (laughs) And I say, oh my God. And the hill was only about four foot high and I have to roll the cent back up because it's so hot. And then when I pick up the cent back, some of these thorns were stuck the cent back and I put on my shoulder and and then, oh my God. And I had to drop the motherfucker down. It was, it was, at that point, I'm like, oh my God, there's a very, very close breaking point. And that was like the last like mile and a half. I was doing pretty good. Um, I've ran on quite a bit of rocks out here, like Bishop Peak, Sarah San Luis, stuff that's pretty rocky, uh, but doesn't get too hot out here. So it's, it's always just kind of the pressure and usually wait for a good, a little bit of rain or mist. So it kind of softens the rock and the dirt a little bit. And I was like, this is the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And what I was so stoked about was the conversations that were had not only with our team, but with other people in this Spartan race. Really what I love about the Spartan race is everybody's supportive of each other. Everybody's yes. like, everybody's running their own race. Because some people are running for speed. Some people are running just to finish the thing. Some people are doing their first one. Some have no idea what they got into. Their friends just sign them up. Some people are like, they're, they're just having a blast. They listen to music and running around. And it's like, everybody's very supportive. And like one of the conversations, because, you know, jogging by or running by, Nobody's really looking at your feet. They're like, all right, some, this person's running faster than I am, or like they're cooking. So it's like, hey, good job, you know, fist bumps and say, hey, you're almost there. It's very positive atmosphere, very supportive. And one guy, uh, actually, I think it was two of them, they were like, they were yelling, like, man, I'm dying. And they were like up in front of us. And that guy's like, oh, yeah, this sucks. And like me and uh, uh, Braden t- took off past them. And they were like, what? We're dying and we got shoes on. They're dying. And you guys don't have shoes on. And I'm like, hey, man, you can either die and not have a good time or die and have a good time while you're dying. Like, we're all going there anyways. And I was like, oh, yeah. And it kind of gave us a boost to keep rocking. And like I said, it's not that it's not that long of a race, but it's the the terrain, the temperature, the, the obstacles, kind of the combination of sorts. And then it's dry heat and it's dusty. There's just all these components that, like, there is no comfort opportunity. It's a lot of yeah. discomfort. And one of my big things um, I really pay attention to is how comfortable I am in my life. I need to... I need to offset that with some kind of discomfort. And I feel very blessed to have a very comfortable life and to live a very comfortable life. And I know that when I get too comfortable, shit just starts getting haywire. I get mental funk. I just, I'm not having a good time. And things just seem to be like out to get me. I'm like, I need to go do a, a physical challenge. And again, I feel blessed to have the opportunity to make the choice to do things uncomfortable, but it makes everything so much um, more vibrant and beautiful in life, having gone through something so uncomfortable. And so um, it's expansive. Like you know, the saying goes, no discomfort, no expansion. Not necessarily no pain, no gain. I think there's a, this new way of looking at it is that you put yourself through uncomfortable things to learn and to grow and to adapt to expand yourself and to see what you're capable of and for this race for everybody whether you're barefoot or not spartan races kind of help bring somebody to that place of like i can do this i just need to stay mentally tough and keep moving forward and i think there's a point you and i like i think it was like the last half mile that was the place where it was the hottest ground the obstacles were so warm as well and there's probably the most of those goat heads any spot. So if you're looking for shade or like a grass, grassy, softer area, the grassy area was sharper than the dirt and the rock. Yes, Because yes. that's where the live, man. So it's so hot. Pick, yeah. Um, you, you say something that resonated with me as well, you know, being we have the luxury of living in a comfortable environment, I think. And that's why I love our Spartan Rain because I get the opportunity to what I train for. You know, we're both athletic, we enjoy the physical activity, but I think um, it's good for me mentally to put myself in that, that difficult uh, physical toughness. It's not mm-hmm. mentally, but it's physically, but you have to overcome mentally with that. 
And then that's what I enjoy with Spartan Ray. And then going back to the community aspect of it, you run your own race. The beauty about this race, this type of sport, is that's something that you can do for many years. You, you can do, you run your own race and you run with the community. Mm-hmm. And, and community is very supportive and something that um, uh, at the end of the day, I keep telling myself that, hey, because it's so difficult, because it's so hard, this is the kind of experience that we've been in last a lifetime. Oh, forever, man. Like, I'm not going to forget this. I've been journaling about it. We're doing a yeah. podcast on it. Um, yeah. And having conversations with people here about just challenges they've gone through. And it's kind of like opened up a portal to either relate or just to share or kind of just be in a space together that we realize like there is some hard shit our body's going to go through. And the more things that we're able to put it through intentionally, uh, kind of our, under our own power, when those things are thrown at us in life, when we're, when we're faced with some discomfort or an uncomfortable challenge or an uncomfortable situation or, or pain, um, an injury, something that pops up, where do, where do we go? Do we go into a negative spiral or do we know that we have the ability mentally, physically, emotionally, and as a community, as a, as a whole net of uh, a web of people that we can get through it together? Um, it's kind of just reaffirming those points. And I know there's definitely more challenges out there that um, I think to each their own. You know, some people are doing some crazy physical feats that I'm like, there's no way in hell I'd do that in a million years, maybe another lifetime, but not in the next few lifetimes. Um, but for where I am right now, where you are right now, where anybody is right now, we have the choice to put ourselves through something uncomfortable, put ourselves through something that is not, um, it's a little bit dangerous. It's a little bit outside the box or outside the norm. And when we experience that, the stories that come from that, I think that's the most yeah. important. We continue to share um, what we're going on internally. Cause I may have had a smile on my face that whole race, but man, inside it was, it was burning me alive. <laughs> like my heart, my heart felt like it was getting wrung out of like, <laughs> what the fuck did you decide to do, man? Why? Why? Yeah. And having just being able to to visit that place that dark corner or that that wall and say like because because i can because we will and we will get through this and then to finish it and go like look what we did you know i think it's easy to underwrite it but you can't deny a physical experience that is the proof is in the practice of what you do you you can talk about things uh, all the time but if you don't keep setting yourself up for success with these with these challenges or put yourself through some of these uh, miserable things when you have the choice to, uh, what happens when you don't have the choice and you're facing it? How are you going to handle yes. it? And you're right. And I think that this kind of, this kind of activity prepare us mentally, because right now for me, when I go, when shit happened, I'm prepared mentally because I know that I have done tough shit before I done, we overcome. So it's, it's gave me the, the ammunition if, when I need to go to dark space, I know I'm capable of doing that. Now, I never, I never thought that by my body be able to do that. You know, um, you know, and I was like, hey, we are, we did that, and that means there's a lot more that body can take physically and mentally that we can take it deeper. But what happened if you put your body and your mind through this kind of this tough environment? What it does at the end of the day, it teach you a lesson. It give you a comfort zone to go back and when shit happened in life, when shit been thrown at you and things may not work out, something that you can sit and just contemplate on that and reflect. And you are a lot stronger. A lot of us, all of us are a lot stronger than what we think we're capable of. It's just the fact that being constantly being protected. And so we need to get our, ourselves out of this uh, uncomfortable condition so we can grow. No doubt about it. Uh, what was your, after the race? I mean, I know like the last half mile, we, we just kind of walked the thing and we're like, hobbling we got some videos of like oh man that last obstacle is just this metal sheet yeah. that you need to climb over and then get to the other side and like it's right there we just got to get it done um and then finishing i mean we we're in so much discomfort under our feet that it was like i 
I really can't wait to put my shoes on now, you know? And then I put my shoes on. I was like, this isn't any better. They're still on my foot, you know? Um, what was your post-race like? If you think about like the, I know you were busy, busy guy for the next few days after that. I got to go home, shower, you know, bathe, pull stuff out of my foot. I had time. Um, what, what was your experience like in terms of the restoration? Uh, I'm imagining people were like, were your feet all bloody? Were they all beat up? And like mine were, were bruised. And I found myself running in new ways to avoid more surface contact of my foot on the ground and so yeah, i had bruises i know and i was oh like biomechanically i was tripping out i'm like man i'm like i'm inverted on this foot i'm like extra pronated on this foot and now ooh, the arch is hurting i need to shift my positioning and i end up with bruises on spots of my feet that um i never had bruises on before and it was like wow this is this is an area that has not been faced with this. So I, I rested them quite a bit. And um, it was amazing, like walking afterwards versus trying to jog afterwards. I could walk afterwards, but jogging, all the muscles were fine. But my feet, I still had a goat head stuck in my fourth toe, like right here. And so yeah. I would walk, I would dodge it, but I would run like that point kept hitting directly. And I was like, wow, that's the point that I rock off of when I run. It like, helped tie together a lot of loose ends of stuff that I was working on with WEC and um, with my own running mechanics. And so I, I went through this whole spiral of like reflection of how my feet are feeling and how they're walking and as, as I was recovering and pulling out thorns out of my foot. Um, what was it like for you? What, so for what, did you me, what did you spend I, your time doing? Going back to the, when I saw you running on the edge and that's where your survival mode, that the instinct, that innate in us, when you have survival mode, you do that because now you minimize the ground contact. So for me, um, what I did for my, my instinct survival mode at that point was when it got so hot, I get to these water station what I did was I looked at the bottom, there's a puddle of mud. So what I did, I, I went there and just shoved my feet in there and then covered with mud. So it's a way for me to naturally just protect the feet a little bit. So that's why yeah. I did. Um, Post-ray, because what happened is, uh, just like you, I mean, I got got hundreds of these little freaking things in the bottom of my feet. So uh, I went in and I didn't really take them off, have the opportunity to actually, because I was busy, busy that weekend. So I, um, I was walking with them in me. So every step, pressure point become a lot more challenging walking in them but but for me the most part that my feet are okay except for a few bruises as, as expected but other than that they'd be fine they recover good but um i think still now there's a few of them still in there and, but uh, for the most part i spend the next three days trying to pull them out <laughs> yeah so gnarly yeah it's it it amazing that i had like one in my i got all of them out except for one in this finger one in uh, this finger, like in this little, little edge in here. Yeah. And then I had one in my left foot and one in my right foot. And the worst one was the one in my right foot. And I was like pushing on it, pushing on it. I was like, man, I guess this whole next week, I'm not going to be training uh, a lot of impact or steps. I'm going to be doing a lot more like Mace 360s, swings yeah. and throws and and uh, core work and, and landmine stuff without the switches. And it paid off, but um, I definitely took more, more recovery time than I was anticipating. And it was like the, the hot bath with some Epsom salt, soak them, and then an ice bath to like restore my muscles and then go get the tweezers out and pull this out and, and get the, get the, I was in even with a needle because I couldn't get them out That's the tweezers. I, I had a needle and just like, I was like sewing my foot. And I had all these little scrapes on my foot. And uh, I, I was, needle. I was really happy with how they turned out though. I mean, they, especially they with like me. the, the nomads, the Apollos and yeah. um, just feeling better contact with the ground um, beforehand leading up to it. It was like, I, I could do this again, but I'm going to choose not to. <laughs> not the yeah. uh not the austin one at least barefoot yeah, i've had my totally how, how are you feeling this week now that it's been about two weeks good. after i'm back running back and good back running training and one a while 
uh, when I land, I feel the one that's still in there, I feel them a little bit. So I, I'm constantly, uh, you know, every night I come back home with the needle again, you know, it's now these, so you gotta dig in a little bit, get after that, some of the callus and get in and get them out. Uh, but they're good. I mean, they are, they are very happy at how they perform with the condition they're in. Um, that wasn't anything, but yeah, the brew is expected, but three, four days, they are pretty good to go. Thanks. Um, shifting gears a little bit, man. I want to know a little bit more about, uh, what, what you're stoked about with Kinnis and what you're stoked about with this community. Cause I know people are seeing Kinnis like it's a shoe company, but really Kinnis is a, is a, in a community of athletes and trainers and therapists and coaches, um, movement practitioners, people from all over, uh, not only the U S but in, in the world, it seems that they're, they're kind of coming out of the woodworks. Um, in this community, I know right now it's kind of main hub, kind of coming towards Texas and Virginia and the, and the West Coast. Um, what do you see is kind of the stepping stone for Kenneth in this fitness community, wellness, health, flow? Where do you see it going, and what are you stoked about? Yeah, well, thank for asking the question. I yeah, we Kenneth, I always envision Kenneth as a movement company rather than a shoe company because I think we at the point that we are bring together a different modality. And then get you like you said, yes, we start in Richmond, but we expand in Texas, but we grow in outside the US as well. So what are we trying to do in the long term? My vision in a five-year term is find way, bring technology into the the kinest, within the kinest ecosystem that we hope to democratize fitness and wellness. And the way I look at the last five years that I immersed myself in this industry, I learned that the fitness and wellness industry is still very limited space. Uh, maybe because of the way the business set up, the way the business model involved, set up, it's just still very limited. So what we want to do is um, last year, we did a study on a platform that we hope to create. Uh, we attention to, to bring online within the next 12, 18 months in a way that we can bring people the uh, bridge between, you know, a client, the uh, the fitness community in, in terms of being the trainer, coach nutrition and bring them all together and less uh, also almost like two side market play and let them optimize the transaction so by doing that we allow uh, we can bring the people who have the service and the people need to serve it together in the most seamless way and let the transaction happen within our platform so with that being said we allow people to access you know if you can be in the u.s you can access a client a coach or a trainer in in europe in asia in, in the Philippines and South America. So we bring everyone together with the goal intention to democratize fitness and wellness in a way. It gave people more access than ever before, depending on the modality they're looking for, depending on type, you know, what their end goal in mind. Uh, at the same time, uh, what we are, that is the, the bigger part of the business that, you know, a little bit farther out in the, the between time, the next product we'll get into is to bring technology and that physical product is more like wearable tech. But what we want to do is we've been tossing out the idea of smart shoe for about a couple of years now. We have done enough research to support the, the reason why I want to solve this problem is about to, you know, because there's a lot of, you know, you have the, the app or the fit, the wood, the ring, but there's a lot more movement activity into mechanics that the bottom feet that nobody really uh, addressing. And so we want to bring that and by bring some of these proprietary sensor technology into this and, and also allow uh, the end user uh, to capture data. And then what we want to do is build in a what I call AI driven training, smart training. So based on the data that you come, that you provide to the system, we should be able to recognize, recommend certain exercise that you need to focus on to prevent, could be uh, the two way you can do injury prevention, or you can do performance optimization, depending on what the end goal of the end user. So that is the immediate step before we get into the more, a bigger problem we want to solve, which is connecting the, the fitness community and the end user, and, and hopefully 
with the intention to democratize that. It's awesome, man. This is like a big project, but no, uh, big project, the, yes. the world is headed there. Wearable tech underneath your uh, underneath your shoes. Yes, that is something that we're looking to start kicking off um, over the summer, kick off that project. Rad. And right now, you guys are lined up. You guys got three main uh, styles, right? You the, in terms of the shoe component, um, not the technology, the community side, but just the shoes itself. So we to step in um, and start working into minimalist footwear. Uh, you mind kind of sharing the differences between the three styles that you guys currently are offering? Yeah, sure, sure. We have uh, the Nomad, which is a barefoot sock, the closest to being barefoot. And then we have the Lucy. Lucy is an everyday active shoe. Uh, and then we have the Pro, Apollo Pro is the, the pro training shoe. For folks who are new to this, I re- highly recommend go with the Lucy. The Lucy is a minimalist shoe. Um, it's designed, again, you still get all the benefit, but at least it's designed in a way that transition to slowly. And then when you transition, you have two options. You can go more extreme, uh, close to the barefoot, which is the Nomad, or you can more like performance driven that do a lot more performance training, high explosive exercise, then you can go for a Polo Pro. But the Lucy is something that I, that a product that doesn't matter, the body type doesn't matter, the fitness level. Lucy is a great product to start with. Yeah, that's what I started with. And the Lucy's, forgive me if I'm wrong, but you got cleared by the American Podiatrist Association for that's uh, correct. foot health? Yes. So both the Lucy and the Polo Pro received the medical approval from the American Podiatrist Association. So um, that's something about kinesthesia. Very kinesthesia approach, the way we design a product, very more science approach, very, very science, very data-proven approach. So the shoe looked that way because the logic behind it. It's drive from the, the movement. How can we optimize the natural movement? Where the other company looked at the shoe, the movement was never a second thought. Everything is about how it look, how, you know, what style, what color, where can is it? We, what we say less is more. We focus on the idea. What can we do to give you the bare minimum so you can optimize the movement in the most natural way? Because we believe, I believe, according to the folks, the doctor I've been working with, lots of people, physical therapist, pro trainer, the athlete, while I learned at the end of the day that it's not about the shoe, it's about the movement. The shoe is just a medium. Look at this. Don't look at anything. It's a medium. It's about the movement. And that's why we focus so much on, which we're doing a lot now, is this workshop. The workshop Kin is designed to do is different than any other workshop that I've been to where they sell product. Kinet workshop designed to be free, designed to be more education. And that way, because to me, when, whenever I do a workshop, I say, well, let's not worry about the shoe. Let's break down the sign behind. Let's get some of the basic foundation, understanding of the body anatomy, the foot anatomy, get some of that information first. When we understand that first, then I can talk about the shoe because if I talk about the shoe, it doesn't make sense. Let's focus on that. And that's something that we find that is powerful. We find something that resonates people. And we find that uh, something that Nobody talked to them about when you go to two store, the first thing they want to sell you, hey, this new technology come for art support, new foam, give you all that. But nobody explained anything else about biomechanics. So that's something that we hope in the long term that we continue to do more workshop to give people more value. I think at the end, when people can give, when I believe that when we create more value people and then people can make the decision. There are, besides Kinnis Barefoot, there are Vivo Barefoot, there are Zero Shoe, there are other brands out there that make the same product. Uh, you find, but ultimately, what we want to understand is the reason why, it's not just the style. We, we want to be more than just a fat fashion. Yeah, you guys are definitely build yourself as that and are continuing to, with the different communities that you're that you're a part of. I mean, I just saw the, the flow jams and stuff that are going on and workshops that are going on just this year and through summer. I'm like... I can't wait for ours uh, in July and yes, uh, getting, yes. getting that finalized, but getting a few different practitioners in here um, talking about different mechanics and coiling and, and we'll do some uh, movements specifically looking at the biomechanics of the foot and ankle 
the hip in reference to like uh, functional fitness and how to how it's it's good and it's actually brilliant to do fitness barefoot um, when you're in the right environment for it. You're doing things that aren't just extremely heavy loads and you're living in a dangerous space, but you're in a very safe space, submaximal lifting and getting a lot of reps that are kind of simulating walking and gait and balance and different surfaces like walking on the beach versus walking on rocks, uphill, downhill, side hills, uh, wobbly rocks, river rocks, you know, opportunities yes. to expose our feet for what they really can do. Um, and it really comes down to the proprioception and the connection we have to them. And if we don't know much about our feet, how can we make a good decision on how to train them? Right. So we got to start with, yes. start with the foundation first. And as you guys say, the stronger feet make stronger bodies, I think is such a beautiful uh, testament to, to what you're creating. Yes, yes, yes. At the end of the day, I think our body pretty strong the way they design. And I think we just need to let things uh, function the way they design, stop interfering. So uh, Ken is about less is more. Yes. Uh, Vincent, as we close out today, man, how can people find you, find Kinnis? Uh, get involved with Kenneth's community, uh, even jump into a workshop around the U.S. What's the best way to go about that? Yeah, the best way you can find us at, uh, on our website, Kenneth's.com. Uh, and you'll also find us on Kenneth's Barefoot on IG. Um, that's where we, we do a lot of movement activities. And we also have our workshop schedule on the website as well. So um, we are continuing to expanding our workshop flow jam. So what is different flow workshop flow jam? Flow jam is basically get together and meet to do some movement, some really basic, you know, functional movement. Uh, workshop is desire free, intentional, very education driven purpose behind that. So to give people more, more understanding uh, the why, the sign behind why we do what we do. Uh, but yeah, we are growing and we, we love to continue to go out meet new people and share the thing that that we learned last couple of years with everyone with the community yeah community is everything man it really it really provides a space to grow and to evolve and to set the stage for what's to come you know i got i got was stuck a lot in the science side of it and just pushing 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 information i mean i think we all have gone there but it's amazing when we are practicing together the proof is in the practice um, and especially when you're doing it together, you're learning about each other, you're learning about different ways of solving certain issues, um, or just relating to people who have gone through similar uh, discomforts or tough things in their life. And a lot of times finding movements and recognizing that movement is the medicine and that motion is the lotion and that we can heal together um, through movement communities. So appreciate appreciate everything you guys are doing, Vincent, with Kenneth and with the, the whole community, everybody that's involved with Kenneth, highly appreciate um, and respect everybody in this community and I'm stoked to be a part of it. So thank, um, thank you so much, CJ. Thank you so much for inviting me. And just, you know, we've been sharing the same movement practice the last couple of years. I'm excited and I look forward to going back and hanging out with you guys. But uh, like I say, this movement, you know, product come and go. Movement will stay. You know, mm -hmm. movement, we need a community. And I think that's something I think this community is growing and take a group of people, a village to make this happen. I think everybody seems like they're getting a lot of value of this. So I'm excited and uh, I look forward to continue to expand this community and this movement with everyone. So uh, it's going to be a fun ride. Yes. Everybody's looking to just jump into minimalist training. Go check out Kenneth. Feel free to, to check out us on Gymnazo EDU and our Gymnazo YouTube channel for ways to integrate uh, those minimalist shoes and barefoot training into your practice. And y'all, until next time, peace. Hey, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed with the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. We launched this in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach 
and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor. Take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That's hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnazoedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.